Welcome to Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries, where we take a biblical approach to culture's difficult questions. Well, guys, this is Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries, and we are super glad that you are listening, not just in Mississippi, central Mississippi, but listeners all over the world, believe it or not, we've got some listeners in Indonesia. Uh, hope and pray that you're understanding what you're listening to. And we've got some guys in Great Britain and Australia and Russia. Did you know that, Greg? I did not. People know that, that are, Eli I'm... and I was talking about this last week. He was going over all the statistics and everything. We've had uh, thousands of downloads, believe it or not. And uh, man, we are super glad of our listening audience. And we hope and pray that you continue to listen. And whatever platform you do that, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or several other resources, that you will subscribe, share, make a comment, give us a rating. It's usually a one to five star rating. And of course, we want you to give us a five, but also we want you to be honest about your rating. So do whatever you feel like you need to do there. But we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Today, we're, our podcast is sponsored by Members Mark Purified Water. You can buy these waters at Sam's, your local Sam's. You can buy these about $4.50 for a case of them. So make sure you support Members Mark Purified Water. And so uh, thank you guys for... He just, he picks uh, he picks a sponsor every week. Whatever's the closest thing that we can call a sponsor, Paul, that's what we do. We grab it and we say, this is a sponsor. So believe it or not, Jesus has been our sponsor in the past. He was close to us that day. Uh, body armor, body armor has been a sponsor. That's right. Uh, so the the, the lens, clean, lens cleaner over there was a sponsor Expo. one time. Yeah, so. Windex. Yeah, I yeah, mean, he's a moron. Be close to us. We I mean, haven't. I mean, uh, he's a good guy. We haven't been sued yet either. It's coming. It's, uh, it's, free, it's free press. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean just, we're doing them a favor. Free advertising. Nobody buying this freaking Thou- water but us. Tens of people are hearing about this product because of us. <laughs> hey, well, we we've already blown our cover today. So typically, <laughs> t- typically, what we do is two podcasts in a month. One is change my mind, and it focuses on something horribly changing culture's mind, the culture of Christianity. We don't want to see the culture of the world sway the culture of Christianity. So we talk about topics of change my mind. Or we talk about something that is newsworthy. and uh, But in October, because it is a month of missions, we've kind of broke the mold on that. And we want to be more inclusive with some interviews. And so we have interviewed several people this month from Scott Cockrell and Scott Walters and David Mock. And today we have Paul Bernard on the show with us. And we are grateful that you've made the trip over. We thought we was going to have you call in today, which we've had a couple of call-ins. And it's so much better when we have somebody in person in Eli's office doing this thing. So we appreciate you taking the time to be here. Yeah, man, it's good to be here. So Excited. a little bit of background with Paul is that Paul is the establishing church planting pastor of Overflow uh, 20 years ago. You planted Overflow, and so God just 20 years ago did a work in your heart to see that church planted. But as of late, you've decided to move on. And so... Let's go back to the original overflow. Give us give us a good description of the church planting world as you saw it through the lens of overflow. 
<laughs> he can't cuss, right? <laughs> no, no cussing. Cuss. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, it was it was early in my education of church planning as well. I believe in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. I think that back then, uh, church planning took on a totally different world than it's taken on today. Um, there was only one model of church planting back then. It was attractional. Um, come in with the lights and the music and the stuff like that. And when you're in rural Mississippi, uh, you know, that doesn't work because all you do is get church, you know, people. And we were after lost people. We wanted to reach out to the community, reach out to those that were in need. And so it was a very difficult process, a very slow process, um, very uh, frustrating process. Um, but as we walked through it, we began to see God. It's almost like God trained us as we went. He, he showed us step by step, like, okay. And sometimes it was, hey, don't do that again, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. And so it was it was really cool to see. We started meeting in a living room um, and just invited people. Uh, one guy, the first guy that ever came to our church was a, a guy just got out of prison, and he started inviting all his friends, which you can imagine. Uh, and we were started to get known as the drug church. Uh, from that point forward, because everybody was at our church was had a history or was presently tied into recovery and addiction, and so just kind of started building off of that. And those people, I believe firmly that culture reaches culture, mm-hmm. um, and so they just reached out to their friends and they started, you know, ministering to people. And it was just a really cool thing, and it just grew and grew and grew over the years. Um, I would love to say that I'm one of those stories where. You know, second Sunday we had 500 or, the, you know, but it was seven, eight years of like 25, 30, 50 people uh, before it actually started to get exponential and started to grow uh, to the links that actually wasn't its peak. I remember when you guys were on Main Street in McGee, mm-hmm. and um, I think that's kind of when God just began to, to break things loose for you guys, wasn't it? Well, actually, it was the step after Main Street. Uh, Main Street, we got up to uh, 80, mm-hmm. um, which was our capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, over capacity. And so that's when I we found that. I preached in that building for you, and that 80 would have been maxing was, that building out. It was big-time capacity. And so we ended up buying an old abandoned factory. Um, cheap, cheap, cheap. Uh, a lot of work to be done in it. Way bigger building than we needed. We just built a little bit inside of it, and as we grew over the years... We're actually using the whole building now, but uh, back then it was just we just grow a little bit more, build a little bit more, build a little more inside mm-hmm. of a building. And um, we had 51 people on that first service in that building. Wow. 51 people in the first service in that building. It was about six months later, it went to about 250, um, then 450, and then 650, and then 850. And it just it got exponential. And it wasn't a thing of overflow change, what it did. It just got exponential. People began to reach people, and those people began to reach people. To see, it, I, I remember because I uh, the outside perspective was, man, revival has happened. Because I remember you telling me, and I don't know if you remember this conversation, but when you guys were on Main Street, something happened, and people were just getting saved after the gatherings. People on the sidewalks was getting saved, stuff like that. And I thought, man, yeah, the spirit of the Lord has settled on this place, and something unique's about to happen. Yeah, it's been a. Rem- it was a. Rem- it still is. Like I said, I preached Sunday there. It was. Mm-hmm. It's a remarkable experience to watch um, mm-hmm. the evolution of what God's doing there, mm-hmm. um, and He's changing it even now. 
mm-hmm. um, and causing it to fit its community even better. It's just it's just really really cool to watch. How, how does that make you feel knowing that? How, now, how long has it been since you stepped away as the lead pastor at Overflow? Um, July of last year. So it's been more than a year now. Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel knowing where it's at now? Well, I think any leader has vision. Any yeah. leader has vision. I think any anytime you're you're a leader and you had a vision mm-hmm. and you look back on somebody else's vision, the first thing that comes to your mind is, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> right? And, yeah, and, oh, but, but the truth yeah. is, that's why I'm not there. Yeah. You know, that's what God's doing. Mm-hmm. God had to get me to a different place so that he could take overflow to a better place. Mm. Um, because I don't know that I would have ever gotten overflow where it is today or taken overflow where it is today in a positive way because, you know, it got to a point where God started saying, okay, I'm fixing to use this guy now mm-hmm. um, to push the church forward. And it's really been cool um, to watch. Um, you get a whole new perspective. Mm-hmm of church when you've led something from the beginning and then you step back and are still involved in it. Yeah. When I say a new perspective, it, it opened up my eyes in ways you can't possibly imagine to what church is mm-hmm. and how church is uh, doing and some of the things that I created there. Mm-hmm. When I stepped back and looked at it, I was like, I should not have created that. That, should, that, that is not, that was... That was me manufacturing. I should have, you know. Mm. So there's so much stuff that you can't see. It's almost like a burning house. If you're in it, you don't know what's exactly where the fire is or where it's going because you can't see anything because you're all around the fire. Step out, you can actually look at it and see where the situation is. And so that's what I've been able to do. But the good news is I've been able to, you know, I've still got a real close contact, real close relationship with Matt, the pastor there. And... um we walk through things together. Mm-hmm. And so he's got, you know, my perspective of looking on the outside plus his vision. Just a great thing that God did there. Really, That's really awesome. cool. That's all. Cool. When you stepped away from Overflow, you are already in a position with the 242 Network yes. as the director. And then you, through a season of that, and you were with the 242 for... Let me pause you there as you talk about 242 because we got a lot of people who don't know what 242 is. Well, it's, le- it's numbers, the number two. The number okay, three, so it's number just numbers. Two. Yeah, it's, it's just it's numbers. numbers just two, four, two. Yeah, it's a numbers yeah. organization. That's what it is. Two, four, two. Uh, <laughs> That's what I'm asking for. Thank you, Greg. Greg, two, four, two is the church planting arm of the Mississippi Baptist Convention. We train, support, and assess church planters for church work in the state of Mississippi and beyond. Thank you. I appreciate that, Greg. Because I would have just rolled on with it thinking that people in Indonesia knows what that is. <coughs> they right. don't. They do not know. They do not. Probably most of what we're talking. Hey, we love you guys in Indonesia. <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> so um, you served the 242 Network for 10 years or so, 8, 10 years, something like that. How long did you serve? <laughs> seven. Two? Seven years. Well, no, 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 no. Hold up. 23. So 2014. I'm not the man. Nine years. Nine years. Okay, yeah. So it's, it's closer to the ten. Yeah. So, but but you've also stepped away from that, um, mm-hmm. and so in in the years of helping lead, leading the two four two network, God brought a lot of people in your life through that process. Very right? much. So, um, not that we're out here today to to throw names out there, but you were able to spend some times with with some. Some pretty high profile in the church planting world people, right? Yes, yes. Um, most of our audience probably will know a guy by the name of Brandon Lake. Yes. Probably less knowing of the dad 
which is, I think, the, the purpose and plan of every father to make sure the son gets <coughs> greater exposure yeah. to exalt Jesus from than he did. But Matt Lake, who's kind of a church planning leadership guru, but some just quickly some experiences you had with some guys that some of us know about. Yeah, so Mac Lake is uh, one of my heroes, um, and when it comes to leadership development, <clears throat> he runs an organization called Multiply.org, and has been involved with 242 since the beginning stages of it, and um, so I got to go over there to South Carolina, spend a day with him and his family. Coolest thing ever. Allison and I both went over there, and um, he just poured into me for a day. It was just the coolest thing ever. Still get the chance to talk to him. Every now and then about stuff. Uh, Kevin Dunlap's another one. Charles Campbell. These are guys that have had their finger on church planting for a long time. Um, <clears throat> and understand the changing trends in church planting um, and what that looks like. So, yeah, man, it's been a, it's been really cool. Uh, Heidi Lewis, somebody I've sat with and talked with, and m- many of your listeners might know who, him. Who wrote a book called Among the Wolves? Uh, yeah. Several of the books, but that's one of the ones that we suggest a lot to mm-hmm. aspiring church planners through assessments and stuff. Yeah, so, it's been really good. So gleaning wisdom from them, the compiled wisdom from experience uh, that you've had, <laughs> and now God's brought you to another stage in this journey, which through mine and your conversations, and by the way, Paul... Uh, basically kicked off our month of missions here at Embrace uh, October 1 kind of I don't know I don't know if the right word is unveiling it, it was definitely new information for our people at Embrace but what God was doing with your church planting experience now so that's really where we want to hone in today and uh, we're just really wanting to pull as much information as you as we can out of you so we can post it on social media later so go ahead and tell us <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's God doing right now with the church planting? So when I planted Overflow, um, the model of church planting was, we call it the Field of Dreams Church. If you build it, they will come type thought process. And Church planting was done all over the United States, and including in Mississippi, in large population areas. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of churches, more people than there was churches, which isn't everywhere. But mm-hmm. back then it was a you know very pronounced. So when I planted Overflow, I planted in a town with 150 churches, a town of 5,000 people. That is not what you do. You do not <laughs> plant a church like that. Um, <clears throat> so back then, I was kind of considered the black sheep of the family, so to speak, because, you know, just trying to do things differently, I, I wouldn't do what anybody said to do because that model that they were projecting would not have worked uh, where we were, and we wanted to reach lost people, just lost people, not church people. Mm-hmm. So, in keeping with that tradition, um, the route we're going now, uh, Allison, I feel like God's laid on our heart, is also one that's fairly controversial. Um, it's not, you know, controversial as people don't need to do it. It's controversial and because when you speak what we're doing now, it has a, a realm in it, and I have to be very, very careful that I do not come across as legalistic. Mm-hmm that my way is the best way. This way of church planting is the only way. It's not. Uh, you know, Overflow's doing a fantastic work mm-hmm. um, where they are. Embrace is doing a fantastic work where they are reaching so many different people. But in reaching out to church planters over the years and working with guys from the ground up, especially in rural areas, I found out <clears throat> that all of them have the same pressure. I had this pressure. You had this pressure. Mm-hmm. 
the pressure is is there's an amount of funding that a church planter receives uh, for a certain period of time. And so the goal for that church planter is to become what, what we call self-sustainable, which means you don't need the funding. You've, you're operating on tithes mm-hmm. from that point forward. You're on your own. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is, is because the funding is three years, they basically say this, okay, church planter, no matter your context, no matter your situation, no matter who you are or where you are, no matter what you're trying to do, you've got three years to be self-sustaining. Go. <laughs> so, right? So, so it starts this pressure. And every single time I have seen that pressure do, every time, I've yet to see one, is, is to, it increases the temptation to become attractional over missional. Mm-hmm. Because attractional is what we call net throwing, right? Mm-hmm. It's how do I reach the masses? That's marketing. That's how do I create a reputation where tons of people show up? Mm-hmm. And why do they show up? They show up to tithe, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we're self-sustainable. There's a temptation. I'm not saying all churches do this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it's a temptation to do that. And when you have that temptation to go attractional, you generally step away from missional. Because the one thing you and I both know that in working with church planters, missional is way slower. It's like throwing a line instead of throwing a net. It's way slower than attractional trying to gather the masses Mm -hmm. because you're literally going into the harvest. You're not expecting the harvest to come to you. Somebody once told me, and I love this statement, we have got to stop asking the community to engage with us and we start engaging with the community. And I think that's just tremendous. And so <clears throat> God put this thought in my brain when working with a church planner, just frustrated with him, <laughs> uh, not not frustrated at him, but frustrated. I was, I was the same frustration he was. And I thought, what would it look like if God planted a church that was self-sustainable from day one? Mm-hmm. Never needed funding. Never under any pressure to get people. The only pressure is you you live out your faith. You become missional. And when God grows his church, God grows his church and you move forward. Mm-hmm. What would it look like? And that was just kind of the thought. It was just kind of passing by. And then uh, it just, I mean, I, I, I can say there, there are three moments in my life when I encountered God almost burning bush type thought processes. One was uh, my salvation. Two was when he called me to plant Overflow Church. And three, this. Um, Just a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit of God. And so then I started going to the book, right? All right, how do I create a church that's self-sustainable from day Mm -hmm. one? Well, we know in Acts they were self-sustainable from day one. They relied on God and God alone. Mm -hmm. So what did they do? that's when the junk hit the fan because I started looking at it going, man, how does this even, how do we even create this thought process in the American church? Yeah. How how do we even get there? Because it's so far fetched. Mm -hmm. That's why I knew it was going to be the black sheep again. (laughs) Um, So we just started. um, And now we've been meeting three weeks now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually four weeks. Last night was our fourth week. Um, and we're meeting in my home, and it's phenomenal, man. I mean, it's the coolest thing I've ever been. The freedom as a pastor in that, mm-hmm. it's just so good. I mean, it is so, so good. So, 
So October 1, you had the interest meeting yes. with your core group of people. Describe for us what that meeting looked like. How did that go? Well, <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, it's so similar to, I mean, I've been preaching for 25 years and, and got to a place like I got a clue <laughs> how to do this. So we came in, we just kind of sat around, um, and I just kind of, we prayed, um, I shared the vision, um, we prayed again, uh, we, we sang a little bit, not much, and then read some psalms, um, prayed again, uh, and then we taught again, uh, it was really cool, this guy, uh, in our church, he basically said, hey man, I hate to interrupt you, but God just laid this scripture on my heart, can I read it? And I was like, yeah, I guess, man, I don't know, but you, <laughs> you know, I guess. Yeah. So he read the scripture, and nobody said anything. I mean, it was like there was it was awkward silence. We just <laughs> sat there, and he read it, and I was like, "Well, thanks, dude." <laughs> but then he got to thinking, who's to say God didn't say somebody needs to hear this? I want you to read this, and but that freedom of not having to say, "All right, gotta," you know, it's eleven, it's this, it's that. We gotta do this. We got when is the worship leader coming back up? How is this gonna mm-hmm. work for announcements? How, you know, I, I mean, children's ministry, all these different things. It's just, man. Focus on the Word of God. Focus on prayer. Focus on true worship and spirit and truth, mm-hmm. and the ordinance of God. I mean the 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 yeah, the sacraments. I mean it's just, that's it, mm-hmm. and that's all we do. And it's the weirdest thing ever. And that has evolved uh, in three weeks' time. To now we have food. Well, we're in Mississippi, <laughs> so they're like, "Look, we're doing this again. There's got to be food." So I mean, what time y'all eat? <laughs> yeah, right, about 6.30. So we, 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 we have food, and then we'll generally come around. Uh, like last night, I have a piano in my house, and Logan got on the piano, and he just started playing while everybody was eating, and somebody started singing, and then another one started singing, and then we just started worshiping. And then somebody read a song. We'd pray, you know, in the middle, and we still keep singing again. Then we just felt like God said, okay, all right, I'm ready. And then we just went in there and got in his word, going through the books of the Bible, I'm in chapter we were in chapter three of Colossians last night, just going through unpacking all of it and walking with each other through situations. We have a time of confession, mm-hmm. uh, which is where we take time in the church to talk about sins that people are dealing with. Um, very awkward, very you know. There's a lot of stuff in there that we're not used to because church allows us to be so anonymous. Mm-hmm. This is in your face, man. It's it's totally in your face, and it's just really really cool to see take place. Um, as a pastor of a church, I've always had people call me, you know, Hey, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Well, I had this guy in our church call me, uh, with a spiritual situation that he was going through, but I couldn't get to the phone. Right. And so I called him back and I said, Hey man, he said, that's all right. I just called so-and-so another guy in our church. And he said, he walked me through it. That's church. Mm-hmm. Church is, is disciples, discipling disciples to make other disciple makers. I mean, it's just, it was the coolest thing to watch that take place. Uh, and like the tithe is a big deal in our church. We, we don't have a budget. Mm-hmm. There is no budget. We have a, we're going to get a bank account. We don't have one yet, but we're going to get one um, just so people can write a check. We have older people in there, and they don't know how to do, you know, so they're going to write a check. But most, most people, and this is, might sound a little bit crazy, most people for their tithe bring cash. And they hand it to me, and I'm like, no, 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 we can't do that. <laughs> so we put it in this drawer, and we close the drawer every week. <laughs> and then at the end of the service, I will ask everybody in the church, who's got a need? 
Anybody in here has got a need. And what is hilarious is that's the one I'm getting the hardest pushback from because nobody wants to say they have a need. Mm-hmm. They're not used to that. And so every week, okay, I'm not moving on. Somebody's got to have something that they need. We take care of that need, and then we say, okay, let's start praying. Who are we going to give this to? Mm-hmm. Who needs this? We had a family uh, that was in dire straits that somebody knew of. And we were like, okay, we'll give. So we gave the whole tithe to that family. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, and we have a saying, I hate to be cliche, but every dime, every time, mm-hmm. that we will never have money in the bank. Now, I know that's part of that thing where you saying, if I have money in the bank. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying this is where God has us. Mm-hmm. And for us to be self-sustainable from day one, and be self-sustainable from this point forward, there are two things we can't have. We can't have any kind of expenses, and we can't have a building. Mm-hmm. Ever. Why? Because you know, as a pastor, those are the two main big expenses. Oh, yeah. It's building, staff, payroll, you know, that sort of stuff. We'll never have staff. I'll never be paid as a pastor. Um, I'll never, uh, we'll never pay staff. We'll never have a building, utilities, anything like that. Um, one of the things that, you know, Somebody asked, do we want to be 501c3 or nonprofit for mm-hmm. tithing purposes or whatever? And I was like, yeah, somebody donate some money to do it because we're not going to spend money from the tithe to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it's that type thought process, and it's extremely freeing mm-hmm. to do that. And I know that's a lot, probably a lot more than you ask for. But no, that's perfect. I'm, that's I'm perfect. kind of passionate. Yeah. Well, you I should just, be. I was just sitting over here thinking, does, does this church have a name? Yes, this is hilarious. Because I, I've, I've heard a lot about this church, but I've never heard you mention a name. <clears throat> All right, so no joke. We asked that question. Mm-hmm. What is going to be the name of this church? And so we came up with this. You ready? Mm-hmm. The church. You know, as you were speaking, I was You can't thinking, name it anything else. I was thinking, else. does this church have a name, or do you just call it church? It's the church. So It's the church. That... that you know, yes. because I believe, now this is one of those controversial statements, but but I believe that there's no such thing as churches. Is the church not? It's no. church. Yeah. Now you might meet over here and you might meet over here, but you're still the church. It's all the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the church in Corinth, Paul wrote, you know, that does not mean it was a brick building with a steeple on top. It was the, the people of God in that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I just think we just call it the church. And uh, so... I don't know, man. It's it's just so freeing because it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to please people. I'm not trying to get people in seats. I'm not trying to. I'm just doing what God tells me to do and have, living in that freedom and operating in that freedom is really, really good. Really, really good. So, so what what is what is in your vision this church look like in three years? Well. I can tell you the what ifs mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm trying not to say, and I know this goes totally against my original thought processes, but I'm trying not to set parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would like to do, somebody asked me, what will you do when you get too big for your house? We'll go into another house and we'll split it up, and which is typical house church thought processes. That's nothing new. But somebody says, okay, what number do you get to before it changes? This is not a number. The parameter is when we can't walk with each other individually mm-hmm. because it's sometimes that's 10 people. You got somebody really, really needy or two or three people that are very difficult, going through a lot of hard times. It might just be 10 be the number. But if you got people that are relatively on the up and up and doing well, it might be 15. Regardless, when we get to a point where somebody doesn't know somebody else individually and personally, mm-hmm. we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. 
And <clears throat> that church will not be a network. Mm-hmm. It will not be the church part two. It will not, it will not be anything like mm-hmm. that, right? It's going to be its own autonomous church that will go forward and to move from there. And when they'll do it again, we'll do it again. If God has his way and, and, and his will is this, uh, for it to happen, I'd love to see. This is not to say God's not going to do this or is going to do this, but I would love to see a bunch of autonomous bodies meeting together just serving God. That That's, mm-hmm. you know, my goal in it. I don't ever want to be, um, I don't ever see myself falling to the, man, have you heard about the church? They've got like 500 people and they're all over the, I'd rather say there's this little, group of people that work here, a little group of people who work here, a little group of people, and they're all the church. Mm-hmm. It just, you know. But to be self-sustainable day one, that's what has to happen, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So, uh, of course, I think through that process, too, God's got to raise up some leaders who yes. will lead those house churches. Leadership well. development is day one. Yeah. We do not ever want to split, and the use of split's a harsh term, mm. uh, to multiply the church without having a leader ready to go with it. So right now I have two leaders that I am raising up and spending time with on their own mm-hmm. to be able to shepherd yeah, yeah. people. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> it, it is, you know, I've seen house churches before. I've been to one uh, not long ago, and I did not. I loved the atmosphere. I love the freedom, same kind of thing that we do. But I didn't like that there was not a leader Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a shepherd, somebody to keep the flock from running off the end of the one. They start discussion and talking, and mm-hmm. you know, truth has got to be brought. So, mm-hmm. other than that, I think it's good. Good deal. Well, we want to give our listeners the opportunity to respond, and I know that with other interviews we've had, it's been ministries that do operate in some sort of function and have some kind of need ultimately that can be met. And right now you may not necessarily say, well, we've got this need, that need, because, I mean, to be able to start self-sustaining right off the bat is is a huge thing. And I understand the Acts chapter, all all, all Acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) One through. In the beginning, yeah, in the beginning to where they brought all things in common and needs were met out of that. And I, I hear what you're saying as a part of that, but... If you were to say, if somebody came to you and they had everything you had need of, everything that you could want, and said, all you got to do is say it, what would you say? What would that What would that ask be? If it's, man, I need you guys to pray for us or encourage us or write a check for us or whatever it is, you know, what would you say that that would be? Because I believe we've got a listening audience that would respond to that. So. I know this is cliche, and, and it's for the first time in my life of, of doing church planting, all my life, man, I have said, we want you to pray for us first, knowing what my second question is going to be. <laughs> right? Every church planter does that. But first of all, we just want your prayer. Yeah. So I want you to, but, know, I want you to know nine years later, actually eight years <clears throat> after planting Embrace, I was asked to go to a local association meeting, and I got up and explained the ministry for like the – third or fourth time to that specific group of people. And finally, I just said, listen, guys, just send us your money. Yeah. That, and I, I walked mean, off the, the stage and I left the entire meeting <laughs> uh, to come to Nova Grace's <clears throat> gender reveal party. <laughs> but but the, the truth is this. We only need prayer and encouragement. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to financially support the church, so to speak, 
it is going to go to a family or a ministry. Mm-hmm. There's not, we don't have any expenses, like zero expenses mm-hmm. um, do we have. And mm-hmm. so it, it's a thing where if you want to financially support and God lays it on your heart, that's great. Just know it's not going to go to our church. It's going yeah. to go If somebody's looking for a means in which they can help minister to a family that they don't know and don't want any recognition from absolutely, boom, there you go. But the biggest is prayer. I mean, just pray that God will continue to use us as he see fit. And I can influence other pastors to start to see a few things differently because I've I've noticed some things. Man, one of the worst things that we've ever done is when, and and this is going to be controversial, you might even want to edit this out. (laughs) There's no editing to this podcast. Okay. What, you, that's, that's what you say is what they get. Okay. When the church became the pastor's livelihood, mm-hmm. it created attention. And me being back out in the culture and not locked up in a church has been the best thing for my ministry. Seeing lost people every day, all day, it's just great. I mean, it, it's wonderful to be able to have that thought process. Mm-hmm. So, you know... I want to teach pastors, man, just just be what God wants you to be. Vivocational vocational pastor, man, that's, that's an awesome thing to be. It's an mm-hmm. awesome thing to be um, because it keeps you grounded. You're not operating under these pressures of providing for your family and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing with the church. And I don't know, maybe I'm just eccentric, but uh, I, I just think that Do you think a, he's eccentric? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Greg, you don't even yes. know what that word means. It, it means extra. <laughs> Definitely extra. Well, um, again, if you guys want to take part in this movement, um, how, how would they? How would they connect with you guys? Now, I'll say this, not to put you on the spot, uh, because none of these questions are pre-planned. Um, but it's been a great interview. Um, if 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 you don't have any kind of way in which they can connect with you on the outro, there's ways in which they can connect with Embrace. And when you do that, Absolutely. just make sure if you call us, email us, write us, whatever way in which you decide to connect with us, um, just make sure you put on there Paul Bernard, the church, and we'll get whatever means of encouragement, uh, prayer, whatever. You know, we'll connect them resource-wise to you guys. Great, great, great. So, and let me say this too: a couple of things that you were saying, and I know we're running over time. Barlow's keeping time for us, right? We're past time, aren't we, Barlow? <laughs> um, first of all, I didn't know Logan could play the piano. Yes. So, good job there. Um, the second thing is, is you have influenced a lot of pastors. I'm not trying to give you the big head; it's big enough already. But one of which you've influenced me, and for that, I'm grateful. Oh man, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. All right. Got anything else you want to say? Nope. All right. Well, Paul, thank you so much for being here with us today. I know it's kind of out of the way for you to go through here. Yeah. Can I ask um, one question? You can. Why is Greg here? It's all about the looks, baby. <laughs> he has a face for podcasting. Just, <laughs> for definitely, sure. I have a definitely have a face yeah. for podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> you, usually when we're doing podcasts and it's me and Eli and Greg in here, he has he has input. But with interviews, he's just been kind of sitting back and keeping things I don't things do well track. with interviews. I can imagine. Yeah. And I'm going to interview him on stage. Well. I'm going to interview him on stage this Sunday. And he told me to come up with questions, and I've got zero. That's <laughs> If, that does not if he doesn't me, give me three questions to interview with him on stage this Sunday, I'm going to come up with them, and it's going to be oh, great. That's horrid. <laughs> I'm so, excited now. Yeah. 
So we got Greg. We got Barlow, who's recently surrendered to the ministry. Surrendered Sweet. his life to Jesus and That's surrendered awesome. the ministry. And Eli and a whole lot of the people that make this thing go round and round. So thank you, brother. Love you. Love you, too. Thank you for joining us today on Unapologetic, a podcast of Embrace Ministries. We hope we have answered some of culture's difficult questions using the Bible, God's Word. Please help us get the word out about this new podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to call us at 601-469-2680, or you can email us at embrace.church at yahoo.com.